0: Well, good evening everyone and welcome to our our Wednesday night Bible study. My name is Damien. It's a pleasure to be with you all once again to study the Word of God. I'm so excited about um, our study in the the Book of Romans. We've been off for a couple of weeks, uh, but that's okay. We're going to pick right up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. And interestingly enough, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we only got through the first three verses of our lesson. So, um, so tonight's study will be the remainder of um, verses four through seven in Romans chapter one. So um, and, and the reason why we didn't get through our first um, seven verses a couple of weeks ago is it's because there's so much to the book of Romans. Um, um, uh, understanding the book of Romans is essential to um, realizing what the sin nature is and how the cross has given us victory over the sin nature. So uh, we're going to learn a whole lot of things about the sin nature and and how for uh, we are to walk in this uh, victory that God has afforded us and 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 the importance of realizing the, the power of the cross and how um, we must uh, trust God in all of our ways. And so, um, Going through the Book of Romans is going to be uh, uh, packed with a lot of information. So I just encourage you all to um, go back and revisit um, these Bible studies in the Book of Romans. Uh, take a look at the, uh, the Bible study notes on the website. Uh, and, and then just um, allow the Holy Spirit to um, lead and guide you in this understanding because um, there is there's so much to it. And, and I'm just uh, excited that we're, we're breaking down um, this study. So before we jump right into tonight's study, let's just go ahead and bow our heads and offer up a quick prayer unto the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you this evening for this opportunity to come and study your word with other believers. I exalt your name, I praise you, and I tell you thank you, O God, for being with us throughout this day. O God, if we have breathed your spirit, we come to you and ask for forgiveness, O God. We thank you that you've kept us thus far. We praise you and acknowledge your sovereignty, we acknowledge your power, we acknowledge your holiness, and we acknowledge your righteousness. We thank you, O God, that you have been with us, and we pray for strength now. We ask, O God, that you would give us a refreshing. Some of us may have had a busy day today, O God, and so we ask that you would just blow a fresh wind upon us, O God, give us strength to our minds, our bodies, and help us to be free from any distraction this evening, O God. We pray and we ask you for the gift of teaching. Let the anointing of teaching come in tonight's Bible study, O God. We are here to learn your word and we thank you for guiding and directing us oh god and leading us to all truth i praise you and i exalt your name O god because i know that um great things are going to come forth from uh, our bible study uh, in the book of romans and so i just give you all the praise and all the glory oh god and so lord we lift your name on high once again and we thank you for drawing us unto you this evening in jesus name we pray amen and amen so uh, we 're just going to go ahead and jump right on into uh, tonight 's study and so uh, like we do every single week, we do a a recap of what we talked about uh, on the last uh, the last time we got together and so like I mentioned before, we have been off for a couple of weeks and so um, two weeks ago we we started Romans chapter one and we we went through just the first three verses. And so um, there was a lot that we talked about. And so when we look at what was going on in verse number one, uh, we see that Paul called himself a um, an apostle. And he said that he himself was a servant of Jesus Christ. And when we started to break down that word servant in the Greek text, um, basically Paul was calling himself a bond slave. And so the context of the word servant or bond slave just uh, uh, simply refers to how one became um, the property of someone else. So when we look at our salvation, our Christian walk with the Lord, we have uh, made a conscious decision to become a servant of God, which means that we have given our life, everything that we are, in service to God. And so we are considered to be servants or bond slaves of Christ. And, and that's, a, that's a term and a phrase that uh, we're going to see often throughout Paul's writings. And, and something that we should realize and understand that we are servants of God. And, and, and when we look at um, the word servant in the Greek text, we see that it meant the word slave. Now, it does not mean um, slavery in a sense of how we are used to it in our times, but it just simply goes back to um, the definition of what a bond slave is. It's just basically that someone has made the decision um, to serve another. And so we're all servants of Christ, and we are all considered to um, be these bond slaves of Christ. And so Paul was saying that he is bound to his new master, which is Jesus Christ. And the only thing that um, could break that bond, if it was possible, was death itself. So the idea is that Paul is, is basically relaying to the church that his connection to Christ is so strong that, uh, that, that, that he cannot be separated from Christ. It's basically what Paul was getting at. And, and, um, and because that, that bond is so close, that um, Paul decided within himself that he was going to serve Christ wholeheartedly. So the idea with us today is that we should realize that bond that we have with Christ. And the mindset should be that we're so connected to Christ that nothing can break that bond. And as a servant, we should strive to do everything that our master desires. Now, when we look at Christ being our master, he is not the master in a sense how human beings are. So what I mean by that is human beings at times can mistreat one another, uh, but Christ is not like that. Everything that God does is done with a specific purpose and his will in mind. It is never intended to bring harm upon the, the, the one who has made the pledge to, to serve him and call him uh, his master. So uh, when we come into the understanding of that context, it should be a joy to serve God. It should be a joy to do the commandments that has been outlined in scripture. And Paul is saying that because he is this bond slave or the servant to Christ, uh, he is basically uh, walking his life with the idea that everything that he's doing is to please God. And so this is why he was saying that he was separated unto God, called to be an apostle, called to preach the gospel. And when we look at the word apostle, um, it's just an office that has been divinely selected by God for individuals to fill into. And we're going to get into more context of what it means to have a calling in our verse tonight. So I don't want to jump ahead in that, but um, Paul understood the position that God had called him to um, before he came into existence. And then he says that this calling of an apostle came from God and not from himself. And that being separated unto the gospel means that we are separated from everyone else around us. So when we look at how we are in today's time, there are so many people who are not serving God. And so we have to make the decision that as we are living our lives, that we are in our service to God, that the gospel is something that we hold dear to our hearts. And because we hold the gospel of Christ dear to our hearts, then our lifestyle should carry that belief that we have in our heart, which is going to cause us to be separated from others who do not care about the gospel. So Paul understood that because of his stance in Christ, that he was separated from everybody else who was not a believer in Christ, and Paul was not ashamed of that. Um, So that's just a little... Um, context or refreshing of what we talked about in verse number one and then in verse number two um, we dealt with what was the promise that God made in the scriptures around uh, the prophets and so all the prophets in the old testament all the true prophets belong to God and what that simply means is that these individuals Um, had decided that Jehovah was going to be their God. And therefore, because of their faith in him, God used them in the capacity of a prophet. And so when we see in the Old Testament, the prophecies being given, we understand and we know that these men were not speaking of themselves, but they were speaking everything that God told them to. So when Paul made this statement here in verse number two, uh, basically, what he was saying is that God was was basically relaying through the scriptures that Paul belonged to him, and everyone who accepted him belongs to him as well. So, And we do have that type of distinction when it comes to the body of Christ. So a lot of people say that they serve God or they serve Christ, but their lifestyle is totally against scripture. God is saying that if you truly have accepted me, then there is a distinction about you, there is a difference, and, 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 and that acceptance, that true acceptance of me, uh, states that you really do belong to me. And God is saying that I am your father as well. So there is a distinct, distinction between that. And then God uses those people who have truly accepted him for ministry. And we understand through scripture that everyone who truly has accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, God wants to use you in some type of capacity in ministry. And then by the use of the the word holy as it relates to scripture, just basically tells us that scripture that we have in our hands was given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse number three, we see um, Paul making an interesting statement where he says concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, we understood and we talked about that um, Christ was the main focus in the Old Testament scriptures. And there are so many different components that we have to this particular phrase, but the idea is that everything spoken of in the scriptures pointed to Christ. So when we talk about um, the seed of David according to the flesh, this has everything to do with Jesus Christ and what he was going to do on the cross for us and the promises that God made to David his servant. Now we understand that David was a man after God's own heart, and God responds to us by our faith. And so what we see happening in the Old Testament is is that in the midst of pagans and all of these folks um, serving these other gods, there were only a very few people who truly served Jehovah. And God raised up David for the specific task of leading his people, Israel, into the things of God and establishing the fact that his throne was going to be the lineage uh, through which Christ would come and be established forever. And so um, the prophets uh, spoke of that as well as time went on. And so so Paul is just giving this information to basically tell the people that he is writing to and for us today, that everything that he is speaking of is according to the scriptures. And then we talked about the humanity of Christ, the deity of Christ, and what did it mean in the Greek text where he used the phrase, which was made. And we understood from that phrase, it mean to become. So the idea is is that Jesus Christ left eternity to become a human uh, person to take on a human body, to put himself willfully under the limitations of the human body. And then we reference how in scripture, you will see Jesus say things like, only my father knows in heaven. And it seems to indicate that he had no idea. But in the human flesh, he chose to limit himself to our frailties and to our limitations. And so, um, so certain things he willfully chose not to disclose uh, himself too. And this was just to show us the humanity of Christ. So Paul is once again bringing this out to show that Jesus was who he said he was. And the Old Testament scriptures actually bear this out. And then we look at what the word incarnation means. And we saw in, in Isaiah chapter seven and, and, and chapter nine, as well as Matthew chapter one, um, that the scripture told us how Jesus Christ was going to come and 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 how that Everything that Christ did was foretold. And we looked at what the word flesh uh, meant in um, the Old Testament. And we understood from that conversation that flesh was a generic word that referred to animals and humans. And so uh, uh, many different things uh, are going on in the Old Testament scripture to point us to who Christ is and how we are to uh, follow him and believe his words Um, Throughout the entirety of our Christian walk Uh, And so um, Paul was just once again making these statements To get his reader to come to the understanding That he was in agreement with scripture And he was not going against anything that was written in scripture So that was just a quick uh, recap of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago So tonight we're going to continue on in verse number 4 And so if you got your Bibles open Turn with me to Romans chapter 1 started reading in verse number 4. I'm going to be reading from um, the King James Version, and, and, and we're going to get through these verses tonight. It's, we're probably going to be right at the end of our Bible study, um, because there's a lot of information jam-packed into um, these last uh, three verses. And so verse number 4 says this, And declare to be um, the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. So I want to jump right into um, our curriculum question here. And it says, how was Jesus declared to be the son of God with power? So did anyone find any information around that question? How was Jesus declared to be the son of God with power? Anybody want to take a stab at that one? Anybody? All right. No one wants to jump in and be first, huh? Okay. So let's talk about this um, for just a few moments. So when we look at um, this particular question, why was Jesus declared to be the son of God with power? So um, it's going to have to take us all the way back to the initial promise given in Genesis chapter 3, where well, the Lord said that um, his seed would bruise um, the head of the serpent, that the serpent was going to bruise his heel. This had everything to do with Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. So this was God, God's way of, of letting um, the powers of darkness know, as well as humanity knows, to know that there is coming a Redeemer to, to bring back into right standing all of creation that has now been tainted, by sin and and when it comes to David uh, well let's go back to Abraham now the, the scripture tells us in the book of Genesis as well that God called Abraham righteous um, because of Abraham's faith. Now Abraham's faith had everything to do with what God said I mean what was God saying to Abraham there was a whole host of things that God was telling him and we see that God gave David a great promise, that his descendants would be greater than the, the, the grains of the sand of the sea. So we see God uh, telling Abraham that you're going to have so many descendants after your loins that you won't be able to count them. Now, this, of course, is referring to all who will come to Christ. And then when we get over to David, we see what was going on with Israel. Israel had a, a desire to have a king. We know uh, they, that, they, that they wanted Saul. They didn't want to wait on God's person. But God already knew that David was going to be king. That's the one that God had chosen simply because of David's heart, because the scripture tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. Even though he had a lot of shortcomings, David truly loved God. All you got to do is read First and Second Samuel, and you will clearly see that David loved God, as well as some of his writings in the book of Psalms. And then God made a promise to David. Now, that promise that God made to David can be found in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, starting in um, verses, basically verse 11, um, all the way through uh, verse 17. So we see the promise that God told David concerning his throne and his kingdom. So this is where this question now comes in. So when we talk about what does it it mean that Christ uh, is the son of God, it basically is talking about um, Christ came through the lineage of David. And you can find that lineage in Matthew chapter one. Now the power that is referring to here is the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that Christ did, he did so under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we look at son of God here, that is a phrase that uh, means in the likeness of, or uh, let me pull up my notes here. because I want to make sure that I I say it properly because I was just reading this uh, just a few moments ago where it talks about the phrase son of God or um, son of David. So when it talks about the word son, it can mean possessing the, na- possessing the nature of or in order of. And so the idea here where Christ is called the son of God, it's a, it's a twofold understanding. Uh, it goes all the way back to John chapter one, where it tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that the word was with God and the word was God. And Jesus spoke throughout the gospel of John, which is why we started there first, describing his relationship with the father and he said if you've seen the father you've seen me so what we have uh, being displayed here is is that jesus is the the exact representation of god the father he's in the order of whatever the essence of the father is and then the second fold message is when christ came in the incarnation his father was not of a human origin, which means that he did not come through the seed of a human being. So in the time of Israel, they wanted to know who your father was. And and Jesus explained that as he went along, he says, uh, my father is in heaven. He was basically talking about the reason why I exist here now in the flesh is because of the will of the father. And so if you want to know who my father is, he's in heaven and I'm trying to show him to you. So that's the twofold message when it comes to describing the Son of God. And like I mentioned before, with power is referring to the power of the Holy Spirit, because everything that Jesus Christ did, he did so under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. We see it throughout the gospel throughout all of the gospels where the, the Spirit descended upon him like a dove, and all of the things he did, he did so under the power of the Holy Spirit, which tells us today that. That's the only power that we can operate in. See, everything that Christ did led it, led it as an example for us. The anointing of the Holy Spirit was, was necessary to show us that we need that as well in order to move with power. So it goes back into my opening prayer about the sin nature. That's the only way that you can have victory over it is if you go through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is necessary for us to walk in this victory. And so uh, again, all the scriptures foretold of the way that Christ was going to come and that he would be the son of God and he would come with power, he would be endued with power from on high, that is found throughout the Scriptures. So Paul had to set the stage, so to speak, for the reader to realize and understand that everything that he was saying was already foretold in the Old Testament. So let's talk about what this word declared means. So the word declared in the Greek text means to mark out the boundaries or limits of anything to appoint, to decree, and to to determine. So what does this tell us? So this basically says that Christ was the Son of God even before his resurrection. Uh, I'm sorry, even though Christ was the Son of God before his resurrection, he was appointed by men openly to be such. And so what this tells us is, is that When human beings, let's use basically the disciples, saw that Christ was raised from the dead, what power was Christ raised in? He was raised in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was through that observation that men declared, truly, he is the Son of God. We see that written throughout the Old Testament, I'm sorry, the New Testament scriptures. But what this really tells us is that even before those men made that declaration, Christ was already that. Um, simply because it was already spoken of in Scripture. And so, uh, again, Paul has to start this conversation off by letting the reader know and understand this is what Scripture has said. And so uh, we should do the same thing as well when we're out uh, preaching and and teaching the Word of God. And so uh, when it came to be uh, the Jewish folks calling Christ the Son of God, they Uh, their unbelief cried out. It was basically a mock, so to speak. Um, But the scripture is telling us that uh, before all of this took place, Christ was known as this. So uh, any questions that anyone have so far? No questions? And so um, this leads us into our next question where we talked about um, why was Christ what did I say? Why was um, Jesus declared to be the son of God by the resurrection of, of the dead? So uh, what do, does anybody have any notes or thoughts or comments surrounding that part of the question? Why was Jesus declared to be the son of God by the resurrection from the dead? So these are, um, so these questions are, are hinting at um, some of the doctrinal things that we read uh, that we've been taught throughout our our Christian walk. So uh, let's talk about this resurrection from the dead really quickly, um, because it has every it has everything to do with the Old Testament principle of the first fruits. So real quick, uh, does it what does anybody know about the first fruits? From the Old Testament. Now we, we've heard that term being used as, as it relates to Christ, but real quick, does what, what, what does anybody know or, or understand what it meant? Uh, first fruits in the Old Testament. It's not a trick question because <laughs> what this is going to help us to understand is what the Apostle Paul was talking about. Um, Because in this text, we see according to the spirit of holiness, right? So this lets us know that everything was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, when we look at by the resurrection from the dead, I wanna read, um, I wanna bring up uh, my notes here. So I'm gonna put this only on the screen really quickly. So when we look at what I have written here, by the resurrection from the dead. So this means that the Jews, through their unbelief, crucified Jesus because he claimed to be the Son of God. God the Father resurrected him because he was the Son of God. The Greek text concerning this phrase did not, did not use the word ek which means out from among the dead. But the word nekron was used, which means of the dead. So this is important to understand because what this phrase tells us is that the resurrection of the dead, as it relates to those who die, believing in him from the New Testament on, will be raised in the likeness of Christ's resurrection. Christ's resurrection demonstrates that he is deity, but it also guarantees that the righteous will be raised to life because he was raised. Jesus was raised from the dead to not only ratify the cross, that he was the first fruits of the righteous dead, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 20. So, what this is what this what, what actually am I saying in this particular phrase is this is that um, Jesus Christ is, is considered to be the first fruits, resurrection from the dead has everything to do with every single one of us because if Christ does not come back. Uh, and call us up to heaven to meet him in the clouds, we will die, and our body will be sowed into the dust of the ground. Now, the good thing about that is we have a promise through scripture that we shall rise in the likeness of Jesus Christ, which is what Paul is talking about here. So how does this goes back to the first fruits of the Old Testament? Well, it goes back to the first fruits of the Old Testament because when you look at the first fruits, it was the ceremony that occurred on the day following the Passover when the first sheaf of the new barley crop was presented in the temple as an offering to God. You can find that in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 through 11. So this happened every year on the day that that essentially became our Easter. So the first sheep of ripe or the barley grain, was to be offered to God and weighed before him by the priest. So this was to express a sense of gratitude and recognize that God had a right to all that that person had. So the word, therefore, comes to have two senses or two ideas, which means that the first or the beginning has the priority over the harvest. And if the first harvest or the first fruit that was offered to God was accepted by him, then that guaranteed that all the harvest that comes after the likeness of the first first fruit would be accepted by God as well. So this is a great promise to us to say that Jesus Christ, in the likeness of the first fruits, according to Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 through 11, is considered to be first of the dead, which means that he died and spent three days in the heart of the earth. We're going to die, but because he was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit, God the Father accepted him. And now in the eyes of God, Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead, which refers to us who die in Christ. So now when that particular time comes, where God calls our names out of the heavens and we, are, we, we rise up to meet the Lord in the air and we are changed and put on incorruption, then we are accepted by God never to be rejected. We are considered to be the harvest that has come after the likeness of Christ. And we are coming from the dead. We are being resurrected from the dead to put on this glorified body to be forever accepted by God. So, so this tells us that because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross and how what he did was accepted by God the Father, all who come in faith believing in Christ is accepted by God the Father as well. And just like Christ was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, we too shall be raised in the likeness of Christ, accepted by God because Christ has already preceded us in the resurrection. So therefore we have reason to celebrate That we are accepted by God That we too shall rise from the dead In the likeness of God Because we are the harvest that is being raised up Christ is the first fruits That God the Father accepted And so according to Leviticus chapter 23 Verses 9 through 11 If God accepted that first fruits then Then the rest of the harvest was accepted And we shall be accepted as well So this is all doctrinal principle things That Paul is bringing out To deal with the What was going on at the church in Rome to make sure that they understood the true tenets of the gospel. This is all relating to the gospel message and why Paul spent the necessary time to break this down so that the people there can understand it and we can understand it here as well. So we have reason to celebrate and shout and rejoice over the work that God has done. Any questions or comments on that particular Um, phrase. Now, one of the things about uh, the book of Romans, I will say this, it is going to require uh, uh, prayer, I mean, really to fully comprehend what the scriptures are saying. Um, So whenever you're going through and you're looking at um, the, the questions that I have written here, um, just begin to um, pray and ask God to give you the revelation and understanding to help you uh, along your your uh, to to figure out um, the answer to uh, these questions. And so I remember when I first started studying Romans, uh, this must have been I don't know, uh, twelve years ago. It was one of those uh uh those, one of those things where I would, my mind was just blown because it was just so much information jam packed in there. And, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit helped me throughout this, this journey. Uh, and, and so these, these, uh, these questions here are, are just, they are basically essential to really understanding because as we get further in the book of Romans, uh, all of it is really going to connect together. You're going to really see how all of this thing works and, and how if we're struggling with something in our life, uh, understanding the, the power that was in the cross and the power that is in God, then, then we can, we have an understanding of how we are to uh, proceed in him and get that victory that, that, that we're so seeking and we're desiring. And so Paul is, 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 is bringing these, these, these uh, questions or, or these words to the, the church so that they can uh, start to really think about the gospel and, and why they serve Christ and, and really what he has done um, and, and, and the power that is in God that is now working in and through us And and, and how we can uh, walk in obedience to him And so that leads us into verse number five where Paul, when the scripture says here By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name um, And so when we think about uh, what Paul just said here he, he says something very interesting in this opening phrase where he says, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. Now, now, why would Paul make such a statement here? Well, he made this statement to basically say a couple of things. So, uh, so we, if you we go back over the first four verses of this particular uh, chapter. Paul starts off by saying that he is a servant of Christ. He is called to be an apostle. He's separated unto the gospel of God. So he understood in his opening statement that he himself was a servant of God, that he himself was called to be an apostle, which means that God called him to this office. And the word calling simply means to invite, an invitation. Um, God as creator uh, creates, he has created all of us. And so to make this thing plain for hopefully for us to understand what it means to be called, um we, we all of us have at some point in our time created something. I mean, whether you've uh you know drew a picture or um uh created a pot or whatever it is, all of us has, has at some point in our life created something. We we had an idea. And, and we did the necessary things to bring an idea to pass. So uh, I like to use my profession as an example, as a uh, computer programmer, analytics guy. Over the years, I have, I have written pro- computer programs. I, I've, I've built things from the ground up. And one of the things I always try to get people to understand is, is that, uh, and Pastor says this all the time, uh, you know, the, 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 the purpose of a thing is fi- found in the mind of its creator. So when I was building these computer programs, the purpose of what, what I wanted to do was in my mind. So I had uh, an idea. I, I decided that this computer program is going to function this way. Uh, and so when, when that computer program actually was built and it came and it manifested, all the the functionalities of that computer program came from my mind it, it came from me the computer program didn't do anything to to earn the the ability to function it the way that it did the computer program had absolute absolutely nothing to do with it whatsoever it was all on me the creator so what god has done is, is that god has already established how he was going to create so, for example, let's just say God decided that he's going to create 500 million people with the ability to, to sing like a heavenly angel. And out of that 500 million, God says, okay, for, for those who accept me, I'm going to call them to be a, a worship leader. I'm going to call them to be a psalmist. I'm going to call them to, to, to write songs. I'm going to invite them to be a worship leader to, to write beautiful songs. And out of that 500 million, let's say 5 million, actually, God knows is going to accept the call. So God knows those 5 million by name. So he calls all 5 million by name before they come in existence as a worship leader, as a psalmist. That's what the creator does. So those 5 million people didn't do anything, nothing at all. to to be called to the office or be called to be a psalmist or a worship leader. They didn't do anything. This was all dependent upon God's grace. So Paul is saying here, by his grace and apostleship. So it's all was dependent on the grace of God, the goodness of God. We couldn't do anything to earn this grace. This is God simply extending it based upon his knowledge of who we are going to be. So this is the same manner in which we're all called today. None of us on this Bible study line did absolutely anything to be called to the point that God has called us to. I didn't do anything to be called a teacher. Some of you didn't do anything to be called a prophet. This was all depending upon the grace of God. God knowing who we were going to be before we came into existence, the creator uh, creating human beings with these different types of abilities simply by his own grace and God understanding and knows who is going to accept him. So therefore, because as a creator, those who have these specific things that the creator has done, he calls them to this office. And when we get saved, we accept that calling. And Paul is saying here, we received this grace in apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So the calling of God, like I just mentioned, does not come as a result of works of merit, but only by the grace of God. So I mean, because if, if we could do something to earn this calling, then we would have something to boast about. And because of our nature, it will always lift up our flesh and not God. So this is why uh, we, we don't have a part to play in any of this that we're talking about. This is all upon the grace of God. And so going through the, the first um, five verses of this particular chapter, Paul understood that. He said, I'm, called, I'm a servant of God. He called me to be an apostle. And now I've been separated unto the gospel of God, which means that as I go about my daily life, there is a difference about me that is not found in those who do not know Christ. And that difference means that I've accepted Christ, he has accepted me, and I walk to please him, my master. So what I say and how I do things is all in line with his word. So this separates me from everybody else who is not following him. And it must be that way because we cannot conform to this world. World, And then Paul went on to say that this was established by the prophets according to the Holy Scriptures. So we can read throughout the Old Testament that this is true and what he was saying about the gospel, because everything works hand in hand together. And so for those who upheld the Old Testament as truth, Paul is using that to say, if it was found in here that you hold to be true, then what I'm saying, you can bank on it that it is true. Because the prophet said about it, it was even spoken of in all the other scriptures. And then he mentions Christ. And then he talked about how Christ came in the flesh and how it was prophesied. So why did Paul have to go that route? Because of what he's talking about here. So now we have to have an understanding of who Jesus Christ is and why he came. And the work that he did on the cross and why it was necessary. We have to have that understanding to understand the gospel, to understand our calling and the significance of our calling and why it's so important that we uh, accept that calling and move wholeheartedly as a servant to fulfill the wishes of our master. Because as we go out as ambassadors for Christ, We have to have this understanding, and we're going to be dealing with individuals who may have a different interpretation of the scriptures. And this is where the truth comes in for us to aid and help them to come out of their error, which is what Paul was doing, which is why he's addressing the church at Rome here, to deal with a lot of these issues. So he has to start off with the fact that, as a servant of God, he is called to this specific place. And scripture backs it up that God calls based upon his grace. And then he points everybody to the direction of Christ, which is where the focus should be because that focus on Christ would help you to really flow and understand what the scriptures is saying. And that was necessary to get them on the same page for them to realize that Christ is the fulfillment of the, the Old Testament scriptures. So what I'm about to tell you It's already found in scriptures that you hold dear to. So it is beneficial for you now to heed and point your eyes and attention on Christ. And that's the center of things. So as we progress on in the book of Romans, keep Christ in mind as as the centerpiece, as the focal point, as the foundation. And when you do that, you will start to realize and understand the power in the cross and the work that he has done and the victory that we now have. But Christ has to be the focal point, which is why these verses are coming this way, to draw the attention to Christ, because it's going to be setting them up for truth and deliverance. Any questions on what I'm saying so far? Um, Verse number six, Among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ? Now, Paul here in this particular text uh, basically places all believers as well as the Romans Christians he was talking to, the Roman Christians that he was talking to here, and so this is gonna relate to all believers as well, as the ones who are called. So we've already established the fact that it was by the grace of God that the calling is given. And so that relates to us today none of us on this line has done anything worthy enough to accept the calling of God. It is simply all dependent upon the grace of God. Now, the interesting thing about this calling is is that a lot of people um, still will not accept that calling. And that is a travesty because, like the scripture says, the harvest is plenty, um, but the laborers are few. And so, you know, every day I listen to um, pastors preach uh, when I get up in the morning, uh, I, I turn my TV on, or sometimes I turn on the computer, and, and I've got preaching going on. And I'm always listening to um, different people's interpretation of the scripture because it, it helps me to, uh, to get an idea as to how people err in the scriptures. And one of the things that people struggle with is the thing that we're talking about right now is how is one called? And a lot of people think that you must have, you you have to do something to earn this calling. And the reason why they they come to that uh, interpretation is because they don't realize what God's grace is. And so when we look at verse number six, as well as the previous verse here, um, Paul is telling us that we are called of Jesus Christ. And so... What this says to us is that God calls many of us to perform a specific task and it may not be identical to what the calling on Paul's life was. Now, Paul uh, was called to be an apostle. We talked about what is an apostle. An apostle is someone that goes out and basically it fulfills the five fold ministry that we find in the the book of Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians chapter four. the apostle goes out and plants churches. The apostle is an evangelist. The apostle is a teacher. The apostle is a, a, a prophet. The apostle operates in all of the five-fold ministries. And, 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 and God called that, calls particular people to that based upon his grace. But Paul goes on to say here that God calls us all to do something. It may not be too identical to what I have, But you are called to do something. And what you are called to do is necessary. And he says it's all dependent upon Jesus Christ. All dependent upon Christ. Even the prophets in the Old Testament, they look to the coming Messiah and they believe God. Everything has always been upon Christ and having faith in the spoken word of God. So, Paul is saying here to all of us and even to the church at Rome here, we're called in, uh, through Jesus Christ because of, of Christ, we are called to do something. Um, and we must be obedient to him because as servants, that's what we should do. And then he, in, he's our in, he, uh, last verse tonight. He in, he's, we're going to see that he started off by saying to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. There's that word called again, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the lord jesus christ so paul is referring to the church in rome but this is also referring to us as well because why we know we're saints of god because of what we know about in the in the new testament so therefore we can we can take what he's saying here and apply it to us when we look at the phrase beloved of god what that what that simply means that god loves us we're god loved ones um, we, we are experiencing this unconditional love of God because of our faith in Christ. and then he went on to say that we are called to be saints. Now, the interesting part about this phrase, the words to be were inserted by the translators and and this was what makes this phrase to be somewhat confusing. So uh, what this given the way that it is interpreted now or translated now, it, it seems to suggest that at the moment of salvations, we are not saints, but we have to work towards that. The truth of the matter is, is that we become saints at the moment we make Christ our savior. So what this, this, this should read is, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called uh, saints of God. Not to be saints, because we are called saints of God. Because it was already determined before the foundation of the world that uh, all who would come, and belief in Christ would be known as sons of God, would be called saints of God. Uh, We see that principle written throughout the entirety of the Bible, that premise, that truth, and that statement of what I just made. So uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why the um, translators translated this way. In some other translation, it it would be written just a little bit better, but this is the King James Version. But uh, the idea behind this, particular verse here is that we are loved ones of God because of our faith in Christ and we are called saints of God at the moment we truly accept Christ as our Lord and Savior and then we have here grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and what this tells us is that we are all saved by grace and that there is nothing that we can do to earn it it is all simply by the grace of God and is extended to all who would accept Uh, Jesus Christ. So I want to start right here and just kind of do a quick recap of everything that we talked about and how we can apply today. Hopefully uh, um, there is um, some understanding. So first that we have to really understand that we're servants of Christ, all of us. We are called to a specific task that God has determined before the foundation of the world. To understand what that calling is, you simply ask God. Uh, Seek him in prayer for specifically God. What, What is it that you want me to do? Have that understanding that there is something that God wants you to do. And then realize that you're separated unto the gospel, which means that as you go about your daily life, your attitude or your lifestyle should be to please your master. That everything that you do should line up with the word of God. As you go out and you preach and you teach, You have to understand what the gospel is, the good news. What is the good news? What did Jesus do on the cross? He atoned for our sins, okay, well, what does that mean? You have to be able to uh, explain that, to let people realize and understand um, the severity of the situation that they're in. Um, And when you think about what your calling is, uh, whenever you ask God, hopefully all of us understand and knows what our God has called us to do. You go with that idea that you will serve that calling to the best of your ability to do whatever you possibly can to please God and fulfill the mission of that calling. That's what the apostle Paul was doing. And you have the idea that as you go about speaking of Christ, you have the assurance that from Genesis chapter one, all the revel- all, all the way to the end of Revelation 22 21, that it is based upon truth. That everything that as it relates to Jesus Christ was already uh, written in the Old Testament, and men and women believe that promise all the way through the entirety of the Bible. So you have that understanding that Christ is truth and He is who He say it is. So when you go out and you declare. Whatever it is that God is leading you in your calling, you declare the truth of Christ with assurance that it is based upon fact. And not anything else It's based upon something that is not uh, not subjective, but is objective, which means it cannot change. And then you go and you present who Christ is to the entirety of the world, believers and unbelievers. There are a whole lot of folks in the church who really don't understand who Christ is but you come with an understanding and assurance that you know who he is through the study of the scripture, the allowing of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. And that when you speak about Christ, you can show them through the Old Testament from Isaiah chapter 7, all the way upwards, that the manner in which Christ came and was necessary, but yet even though he came in the flesh, he was still God because uh, before Abraham was, I am, Christ made that statement as well as John chapter 1 tells us who Christ was before the Incarnation. So you go and you tell people that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, and it was necessary for him to come in the likeness of flesh, because that's the only way that man could be redeemed, because life is in the blood according to Leviticus, and blood had to be shed so that the innocent can go free. And because God cannot die, he had to come in the likeness of humans, the likeness of flesh, subject himself to the limitations, which includes death. So, But the good thing about that is death could not hold him down. Why? Because he was not tainted with the sin nature. He fulfilled the law of God as it relates to how sinful man can have a right relationship with God, raised from the dead, came as the first fruits, and now the promise is to us That all who believe in him, we shall too be raised in the likeness of his glorified body on the day that he calls us home. That's a rejoicing statement for those who say that when you die, there is nothing else. There is a hope that we have. And the hope is because Christ lives and because he was raised from the dead, all who come in faith and believe in him have that promise that they shall not die. That's why Jesus said that to Martha. Martha, there were some people who, who, who would never die. There are some people who die, yet they live. And she was, she was sort of confused by his statement. Like, wait a minute. How, how is it possible that a man can die, and yet he's alive? And you're saying that you're not the God of the dead, but of the living. And then there are some that would never die. Jesus, what are you talking about? He was basically saying, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. This is where we go with that understanding from the revelation given to us in scripture. So Paul is is, is telling these individuals this, establishing the fact that Christ is the center point and we must do the same thing. We must understand that in our life, Christ is the center point. And as we're teaching and preaching about who he is, we should always bring that into the front of those whom we are preaching and teaching it to. And then we have to come with the understanding that as we are walking out with God, that we have power. That same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that's working through us because he is the son of God with power. And because he came and he operated in that power of the Holy Spirit, we too have access to that same power. So that same power is, is what's gonna keep us and help us to walk in victory. So over what it is we're facing, and what it is that we're dealing with, we're walking in that power. And and, and and we're walking after the spirit of holiness. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. That's the manner in which Christ walked, that's the manner in which all who come after him should walk, and we can walk that way with that understanding of who Christ is. And then it goes back to, like I mentioned about the resurrection of the dead, and now that we have the understanding of, of, of Christ as our focal point, we realize that this calling it's given to us by grace, and it is important, and we must walk out, and we must tell other individuals who come to Christ that they, too, have a calling on their life, and God is inviting them to be a partakers of his divine will and purpose, and when you have the mindset that you are a servant of God, then operating in that calling, will, 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 it will be your main focus and your main drive. Because just like a slave or a bond slave in the Old Testament time did everything that they could to please their master, now we should have uh, uh, the same mentality that Christ is our master, so we should do everything we possibly can to uh, please him. And then we must be obedient to the faith, revealing who he is to all nations, which simply means every person that we come in contact with from whatever they may be, we must tell them about Jesus Christ. One of the most um, powerful things along my journey, I had an opportunity to minister to some people from the Philippines years ago. And um, I ended up giving one of them uh, uh, one of my Bibles because uh, before I started you know, using it, before the iPad and stuff came out, I, I always carried uh, a couple of Bibles with me. And even today, I still uh, have a... a Couple of Bibles on hand, and through my phone or whatever, and and, and just having the opportunity to minister some, to somebody from the Philippines, and I end up giving them a Bible, and I end up giving them some other um, some other uh, information, some other things, and 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 just telling them about Christ, uh, and and that and that's what that's where we should be to always have that readiness within us to realize that as a servant we're called to do this great thing. The focal point is Christ, and so that should be. In our mindset, and so Paul is just getting them to to come to this understanding, and, uh, because he's going to teach them some things throughout the remainder of this chapter. And as believers in Christ, as saints of God, uh, we are beloved of God, which means that we're God loved ones because of our faith in Him. And 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 we should uh, realize that we we go in God's grace and we go in His peace. And and, and again, Christ is the focal point. So. Um, so, so that concludes our study for tonight, um, in the first seven verses, uh, is there anything anyone wants to add or say, uh, uh to what we talked about? Is there are some things that may not be clear or, or are we all good? Take silence as it means that we're good. <laughs> um, so next week. We're going to look at, hopefully next week, uh, we're going to get through uh, verses 8 through 16. And so some of the things that we're going to talk about upon next week is, is what the Holy Spirit intends for us, concerning, especially concerning our faith, and how God is a true witness of our faith and how we are to serve him with our spirit. And, and again, it's pointing to Christ as the foundation. So so again, all of these things are going to be necessary because the foundation as we start off in Romans is, is the, the reality of who Christ is and what he has done. And, and, and that's going to help us as we move along this journey. So, so once we get through the uh, entirety of the um, book of Romans, uh, hopefully we we'll all have a great understanding about, uh, like I said, the sin nature in Romans. Um, basically the work that Christ did upon the cross. And so um, those those curriculum notes are uh, available now at the website. And uh, again, so these questions are not meant to be like hard or anything. It's just uh, meant to to get you to dive much deeper into the text and, and get you to realize that scripture connects to one another. And so, uh, um, So prayerfully, hopefully that uh, uh, you guys will be able to uh, to tackle these and and actually grow in in, in some of the knowledge that God wants us to have concerning uh, the scriptures here. So, uh, again, you can just go to the website, ktwnow.org to get the Bible study notes as well as the curriculum. So uh, are there anything else? Uh, not Anything else? I guess we can just bow our heads and pray out. Heavenly Father, thank you. Yes.
1: I just wanted to say that I was, um, that was an encouragement that you said in the beginning about uh, the Book of Romans that, well, so far I've I've been uh, finding it a bit difficult, you know, s- starting out thinking that, um, and it may be so also, that you know, um, Paul was trying to tell him the difference in the law and actually the Holy Spirit. But I think that for me, it so far, it is a a difficult book. Mm -hmm. So you saying that in the beginning, saying that it's going to take some time, but as we go on through this book that, you know, you'll come to an understanding. So I just wanted to let you know that, um, I agree with what you were saying. And I was glad to hear you say it because I was thinking oh, yeah. that. You know, uh, why I, why I'm, not, I'm not having any aha uh-huh moments when I'm reading it and everything. That's, that's it.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. I remember when, when I started out in Romans, like I said, about 12 years ago or so, I, I was in the same boat. And I, I couldn't grasp my head around, OK, God, what are you saying there? Right. And what the Holy Spirit wanted me to realize was, was that I needed to, to take my time in what I was studying and to allow him to, to lead and to teach me, because I, I guess what I was trying to do I was trying to just just barrel through it, just like yeah, like another book, but he was wanting me to realize, no, this is important, because having the understanding of this book will help you to walk in the victory that you read about in the other chapters, in the other books of the scriptures, uh, And so it wasn't until I actually took my time, started to focus on one verse at a time that then it started to, to come to me. And then he led me to uh, other different avenues, other different tools and, and uh, to, to help me along my journey. But it, it literally, uh, I, I had to really just just focus and meditate on these verses. Which is why, even on a couple of weeks ago, that's why we only got through the first three, and, and I suspect that even on next week, we probably won't get through all eight of them mm-hmm. um, because there's so much. But yeah, so if you if you're having a little bit of trouble with it, it's okay. It 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 really is okay. Just 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 say just take your time with it, and just allow the Spirit of God to 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 speak to your heart and to lead you, and and you will get those aha moments. Um, and so the way that Paul starts off this book is really it's, it's the focal point is christ and, and and yeah so just I would just encourage you all just to just to really take your time through through each of this if you only get through one or two of the questions, it's absolutely fine But I guarantee you uh even though I may have like eight verses set aside, probably only going to be able to get through like two or three on each each Bible study session, and that's okay because of the information that is there so uh yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, just take your time and and I recognize that this this is a challenging book to understand. Uh and this is one of those situations where I believe that God wants us to all of his word he wants us to focus on, but there are some areas that that are just like like no, I want you to to really focus. And I think right. Romans is one of these things.
1: Well, thank you for the Bible studies of uh 2020.
0: Yeah, well. <laughs> I forgot that (laughs) day is the 30th. I was like, oh, it's so close to the end. Next week will be 2021. But I thank you guys for just tuning in every week and um, (laughs) putting up with me and my my talking. (laughs) But yeah, anything else, guys? No? All right, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening for this study. In your word, I thank you, oh God, that you are speaking to our hearts, that you're leading us and you're guiding us. I, I pray, oh God, that you would have all of our understanding to be fruitful, um, that you will continue to, to give us revelation and knowledge, oh God. I thank you, oh Lord, that you just open up this manner in which we can come and study your word. And I just pray that you would just move upon us when we uh, read these verses, that you would speak to our hearts and give us insight, oh God, and lead and guide us. I thank you because you're there. You're leading us into all truth. And we just have to yield to you, O God. In our moments where we get weak in our flesh, oh God, I pray that you would uh, give us strength. I pray, oh God, that you would help us to uh, remove any of these negative thoughts that we may have and that you would continue to let your spirit shine through the pages of your word, that it may bring light to us, understanding to us, oh God. We thank you for uh, what you've already said and done thus far. And we just continue to acknowledge your sovereignty and your holiness and your right, righteousness. And now I ask, O oh God, that you would bring back to our remembrance the things that, that we have learned, that you would uh, bring this forth in our hearts to help us, uh, to remind us of what you've said and what we know about you and bring us to even a more awareness of the scriptures. And for that, O oh God, we tell you, thank you. Now, as we leave this place, O oh God, and take our rest tonight, may you be with us. Let no harm or danger come our way, O oh God. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you all once again for attending this Bible study. And God willing, I see you back here next week. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
1: Good night. Good night.
0: Amen. Have a good night.
1: Good night.
0: Good night. Good night, babe. Good night. <laughs>